listening audience. It's Deepening Roots and Growing Branches with Paul Arneberg, your podcast host with Pastor Brent Compelin here at New Life Evangelical Free Church in Hastings, Minnesota. We are episode 14, which is a fun number for me because I was a basketball player for a time in junior high. That was my number. I really enjoyed uh, eighth grade basketball when I was in a Catholic school in Roseville, and 14 was my number. It was also Ken Turbeck's number, uh, two-time World Series champion in the Minnesota Twins in 1987 and 91. I love that guy. Bookended my... uh, Yeah, you're a big baseball guy. You actually played baseball uh, amateur pro until your mid-30s, right? Yeah, I played some amateur ball until I moved here to Minnesota and hurt my shoulder, but uh, yeah, it was super fun. My favorite quick Kent Herbeck story, yeah. and this, I, I don't know, this is going to get published, but I, this may be apocryphal. <laughs> Apparently, I heard the urban legend is when they were in the World Series in 1991 that Kent Herbeck would go duck hunting in the morning yes, and then play his World Series games in the evening wow. when they had their home games. And that's how purely Minnesotan <laughs> yeah. Kent Herbeck is. Okay, Which reminds me of the late Bud Grant. He just passed away recently yep. here in early March. And he also was a huge hunter and a Minnesotan through and through. He died at age 90. So it is fun to celebrate local sports heroes that uh, actually have a lot to do with how they've learned. And I, again, I don't know the, the the faith story of either Kent or Bud, but we yeah. as as a sports fans can look at them and say, be inspired by them. Okay, so back to uh, last <laughs> episode. We In episode 13, we began a series called Transformational Outcomes. And uh, it's the whole idea of giving some more meat to the bones of Disciple by Doing. Yeah. And there's 12 of them. In episode 13, go back and listen if you want. Brent did read all 12 of them to you. And this is the second part of non-place versus place. So Brent, give us a a recap of what episode 13 was like, really talking about non-place versus place. And then today we're going to talk about place making. Yeah. So if you, if you listen to the last episode, I'm just going to repeat a little bit of the definition here and then give a quick illustration just so you can catch up. So uh, non-places, moving from non-place to place as a transformational outcome, non-places is really identifying something that uh, exists in the culture around us. It's it's it exists every day for us. Non places are those abstract, uh, 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 kind of repeatable spaces like airport or a, a chain coffee shop or a hotel or like even even as you mentioned last time, even just like driving on the highway. Mm-hmm. It's things that are impersonal, abstract. They are they are spaces that just move people through. They don't demand anything of you. They don't create depth of relationship. Mm. It's just a way to. Uh, have your creature comforts and uh, merely those and not necessarily go any deeper. Yes. And there's not a lot of history involved. There's not a lot of uniqueness. There's nothing quirky. There's nothing that draws you in uh, in terms of, of depth. And But places, on the other hand, are, are connected to people and they're connected to experiences. They're connected to uh, the, the happenings of a particular context and they help us to draw into relationship with others and then therefore create meaning in terms of how we connect, but then the types of places within which we connect. So here's a couple, here's like a quick example for me. Yes. One of my favorite places in my life was my grandparents' house. Oh yes. When I was growing up and, uh, I used to, so when I moved from Minnesota out to California as a kid, uh, I shared this in, in a sermon recently. One of my favorite things to do is my brothers and I, especially my twin brother and I, we'd save money, wash cars, do all kinds of stuff, mow lawns. We would buy our own plane tickets and fly back to Minnesota. That's and amazing. Spend That's a great. month with my grandparents. Wow, a month. And, and, and I loved it because my grandparents, we'd arrive at their house or we'd go to their lake cabin. And I'll tell you, uh, I still to this day, my grandparents have both passed away. I remember the smell. Hmm 
the texture of the carpet, mm-hmm. uh, the layout of the house. I can I can remember the sounds and the sights and the 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 things that you would tactile like like touch, and 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 that place that that house on Maple Street in Thief River Falls, Minnesota. <laughs> it has so much meaning to me, not because the actual wood or the shingles or the the hardwood floor or the carpet it really matters at the end of the day. It's because of the people yes. who inhabited that place, mm-hmm. and my relationship and the depth of of things with them gave that some meaning and made me think of uh, my grandparents as tied to the actual spaces and the experiences that we did together. Now, I could tell a hundred stories in terms of all the different things I'd do with my grandpa and go fishing or do all these things. Some of us have really good examples uh, of places. Yes. Some of us, and let's be honest, have some meaningful, bad examples in places. Because Mm -hmm. as much as I talk about, hey, that was a great experience, some of you listeners out there might be listening to this and saying, hey, I've got some places in my life where the relationships in that place were not good. And they hurt me. And I was abused there. Or someone uh, uh, left. And I remember that house or that environment or that church I was in because of the negative experiences. Yes. And so that is something to be lamented. Mm-hmm, absolutely. <laughs> not not right. Obviously mm-hmm. it's it's evil and sinful and not good. Uh but what even those negative examples illuminate the power of the meaning that's made as the people within the environment that they're in actually sort of draw us into a, a depth. Yes, and so um, that that can be tricky for some of us who've gone through really difficult things, and some uh, who have some good examples to look at. But uh, it, it, just in terms of thinking back on that last episode, anything come to mind for you that's like a specific place that? Well, yeah, when you're just talking about trauma, yep. I, I can tell you that for the rest of my life, I'll remember, uh, <laughs> I won't get choked up saying this, but mm. in 1998, when Wendy and I found out we're infertile, mm. I remember distinctly standing in the kitchen where we lived for 25 years and sobbing that we found out definitively we can't have kids of our own. Yeah. Now, that does go back to the trauma of some plaid places, but the, the neat redeeming value about yep. that is that the more we indwell a space, the more we make it our own and redeem and, and redeem it for the Lord, the more we're going to see the whole spectrum of life. It's not yeah. this this um, fake sort of putting on airs and putting on a plastic smile. We really are developed through those traumatic experiences. And more recently, uh, in October of 2022, when I made the final decision to close mm. Jughead's Youth Juggling Company, I was in the shower <clears throat> and sobbing in the shower before going to church that day, mm. got out of the shower, and again, I get choked up about it. But Wendy had to um, console me because that for the rest of my life, as long as you live in this house in Hastings, Minnesota, that moment in that space, yeah. in the bathroom, to yeah. me, everything came to be real. And rather than let my emotion rule this particular anecdote mm-hmm. or this dual anecdote, mm-hmm. I'll share with you that one of my all-time favorite verses in the Bible um, is Ephesians 5.16. That's redeem the time yes. for the days are evil. And I believe that word redeem is probably NASB. It's not NIV, but nonetheless, redeem it, just buy it back. Mm-hmm. And then I would say in the context of this episode, Brent, this two-parter, redeem the place 
for the days are evil. Yes. So my experience of, of infertility in 98 and closing my company, which is like a child vicariously in, in 2022, mm. 2023, yes, they're hard, but they're also God's will because I've submitted to him and I'm redeeming these experiences to ask him what's next in the case of infertility. What was next was to start Jugheads. In the case of closing Jugheads, what's next for me? But every one of you, and that goes back to the trauma experiences. I would say the overwhelming majority, if not 100% of us, have places that are associated with evil and with disappointment and with heartache and with sorrow. But we can redeem those because God is in the business of restoration, not replacement. He wants your life to be redeemed for his glory. Yes, yes. Amen. Amen. Thank you for sharing that, Paul. I yep. I know that there's there's many out there who are going to have uh, all kinds of different experiences, uh, but the idea of redeeming the time, redeeming the place yes. is really where the bridge crosses over into how we talk about this with the church. Mm. Because one of the key terms I want us to grasp is the idea of placemaking, mm. of being intentional about creating places. Because we can, we can, we can accidentally create non-places. We could even create places that achieve the negative things we just talked about mm-hmm, yes. <laughs> on accident. Yes, but not like uh, if we if we're going to be a, you, we want to be a church that does place making in that redeemed sense on purpose. Yes, and doesn't necessarily try and embark on creating a church as a non-place, a church that's a conveyor belt of bringing people in and out on Sunday morning. How yes. can we work on people flow to get them in and out the door to have their worship experience and then leave and uh, get the next group in? Creating, I'll, I'll tell you, I've, I've thought about this with our particular church. If you're a member of New Life or an attender here, because uh, some of you listening to this aren't necessarily a part of our church family, but all those is aimed at our church family. If you've been in our building, you know that we have a weird building. Okay. Let's <laughs> the just, igloo. Yeah, the igloo. Uh, yeah, I was mentioning that to someone the other day. And um, the igloo church, as sometimes we're known around Hastings, with our dome, with kind of the, the, odd-shaped uh, property uh, with all the different things that are unique about the physical space where we meet, it actually, once you kind of embrace it, it becomes kind of endearing. Yes. And you're like, oh yeah, this is this is unique. And the quirkiness of it is part of what makes it special. It actually, yes. part of what gives it meaning because you walk in the doors and you're like, well, there's no building like this around, like That's a dome. Right. <laughs> but when I walk in this room, it, I, I, I associate and I pray, I pray that our church associates even the physical space we're in with a positive vision for depth of community, mm-hmm. integrity to the gospel, faithfulness to scripture, uh, walking with God together side by side, yeah. loving and bearing with one another, uh, that all of the things about discipleship and about being a healthy church, they even get almost the sight and the smell of the dome itself in yes. a weird way, yep. sort of like conjures up a positive vision of what a church can be. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's kind of what we mean by place is, yes. is we want to uh, be a church that doesn't necessarily um, cast a vision for moving people through discipleship in an impersonal way, but allows for the nuance, the depth, and the layers of real authentic relationships with one another where we do bear with one another, where we, if we have, if we hurt one another, we can talk about it. If we can live in grace with one another, that that we don't compare, that we understand we come from different places, but the beauty of the church is God's family 
is multi-generational. Yes. It's people who've come from all kinds of backgrounds, people who've made huge mistakes, been forgiven, live in God's grace day by day. Yes. That that even the the when you cross the the threshold of our 10-acre property or the darken the doors of this this facility even that uh and, and or darken the doors of our homes mm-hmm. as part of our church family that the fabric of who we are as a an embodied uh living out the the, the who we're called to be as the church that even the physical environment is tied to the meaning making that we have in the relationships. Yes, that's what we mean by place. Yes, and uh, I, I'm reminded of uh, the fact that every day I'm reminded of the fact that I'm a perfectionist. So I struggle a lot as a performer, as a youth leader, as a husband, as a child of God, as a member of New Life uh, against perfectionism. But when you talk about the endearing, quirky qualities of an yeah. igloo that was built in the mid '80s here, yeah. I'm thinking also of my Junkheads company, which I referred to earlier already in this episode. We've had the same ball cart. Which which I just bought on a like a, a service master website, a, a ball cart, Rubbermaid, I think, yeah. for probably 20 years, 25 years. And that has had so many thousands of hands and hundreds of thousands of props on it and through it. And yeah. uh, we're going to actually keep that and use it for our greenhouse at, at our, our oh, cool. Artishire and Hastings. Yeah. And so that'll be where Wendy can tote her plants back and forth. But that has been such a symbol of endearment because those props that were held by that cart represented so many different accomplishments and struggles and, and triumphs of the Jugheads over the years that even a, a, a small portable place, as it were, yeah. can be redeemed and it's a place making. And so that goes back to the perfectionism comment because oftentimes over the years, as a small business owner, I just had to quickly purchase whatever's practical and then that we use that for decades. And so rather than put too much thought into it, this goes to us. We yeah. don't have to worry about being perfect to serve or perfect to even get married or perfect to become a Christian. Yeah. We need to put all our gifts like the little drummer boy at the feet of Christ. Yeah. He will redeem them according to his will. And even in the midst of the height of our fruitfulness for Christ, yeah. the world might say, that's not perfect. That's not that way. Well, wait a minute. God can use it for his eternal purposes. Therefore, it's better than performing at Carnegie Hall, or it's better than being president of the United States. If you're doing your little gifts and your little places redeemed for his glory, just go out and do it. And then, like you said, Brent, after, let's say, four decades here in the igloo of yep. Hastings or, or, or 25 plus years of using our ball cart for Jugheads, it becomes a, a symbol of the relationships that have gone through. And like you said, it becomes an yeah. identity of home. Yeah, absolutely. And what, what what we're really driving to or what we're what we're seeing here is that this is really a con- a, conver- a conversation about contextualizing ministry into the place that we live yes here we are Hastings Cottage Grove Prescott uh, kind of Woodbury area like we're right here we're planted on this spot right along highway 61 we're in Minnesota there's mm-hmm. something unique about the culture of this place for sure there's a there's a specific group of people that are here a part of this community who are we where has God placed us? And then, how are we going to, uh, how are we going to live out faithfulness to the gospel in this particular environment? That mm. it's unique. It's not going to be like every other mm-hmm. place. We don't. We're not going to necessarily franchise what we do here because this is unique of the people that we have. Yes. So even thinking about it in that way, that's place making. And and uh, I mentioned in the last episode. If you are a reader and you'd like to pick up a book that really gets into the the details of this, and I love it. It's by uh, Dr. Kevin Van Hooser, who is a professor of systematic theology at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in Deerfield, Illinois, which is the seminary that I went to. And I'm currently working with Dr. Van Hooser uh, on some study work here. 
Um, he wrote a book called Faith Speaking Understanding. Faith Speaking Understanding, Performing the Drama of Doctrine. And he uses a, a, a theater, a theatrical metaphor to talk about mm-hmm. placemaking, to talk about the church and our mission, to talk about evangelism, to talk about how we understand uh, God's revelation of his truth through the word, through Jesus Christ, through the gospel. And so uh, he, he talks about the church as a local theater, a place in which Christ comes to be present. And he, he, one of his, his, his uh, most uh, kind of powerful metaphors of this is he talks about the drama of redemption. Yes. God's story beginning in creation. We see it all through the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. The, the theodrama, the, the God's story, the drama of redemption as God has created as he has promised to redeem after we sinned, yes. as he has sought out his people, as he has executed his justice and shown his love at the cross as Jesus and in, in God incarnate has lived and died and rise to, rose again for our redemption. And then we have a future in the new heavens and new earth yes. and the promise hope of that. This is the drama of redemption and the church sits squarely in the midst of that story. Yes. And he says, we are like a company of actors, like mm. a, a, like a theatrical like troupe. I can relate to that. Who, who are, who are, uh, uh, going by God's script, the scriptures, and we're acting out the truths of the gospel as we relate to one another. Mm. And so we're like on the public stage, mm-hmm. the world is watching they as are. we are, living out God's truth in our actual relationships in the place, mm-hmm. remember, yes. where God put us here in Hastings at this moment on this property even, and in our homes and all the places that we go. Excellent, yeah. I, I'm going to give a shout out, actually, and yeah. this sounds like a nepotism thing, but when you were talking, <laughs> uh, my nephew, Simon Paul Arneberg, is a, a prolific songwriter. He has a full-time job, so it's not like he's trying to make a full-time gig at this, although I think he could. He has a song called This Place, oh, and wow. guess what the album is named? Rooted. Oh, cool. So Simon Paul Arneberg. And the reason I think of it right now is because in mid-March 2023, he dropped a YouTube song for NPR has a, a tiny desk contest. And, and it's also special. We use the word this place or the song this place for our Jungle Jam 22 all digital show in the mm. middle of the pandemic. And so if you want to check it out, we've already dropped a couple of names like Kevin Van Hooser, the author. You can check out Spotify or YouTube, Simon Paul Arneberg, and look for his song, This Place, because he insightfully talks also. In fact, that's a song about coming of age and and growing up in your home and wanting to branch out, but also wanting to feel rooted back in your home. There you go, roots and branches. And so I, I say that not for nepotism, but just to say it's neat. Other thinkers and musicians and artists out there have these wonderful thoughts about place and how does that relate to our Christian walk? Yes, that's wonderful. Go ahead and check that out. Uh, you know, listeners, I, I think that's a, a great plug and a, an interesting uh, interesting concept there. So that, I love it. Uh, so here's here's another just kind of launching point for us, yes. you know, in terms of our conversation. Um, as we talk about placemaking in the church, uh, Kevin Van Hooser, this is a, I'm just going to quote, uh, reading from from that the book, just a few sentences here, just to help spark some of the thinking. We, some of you are going to hear this and you're going to say, that sounds exactly, it sounds so familiar. It sounds exactly like Brent, what you've been saying <laughs> for the last few weeks or months or what, what have been, what we've been preaching as we've going through our disciple by doing series. So you can, then. you can see where I'm getting inspired <laughs> as, by some of this material. Kevin Van Hooser says the church's placemaking mission means taking every word, 
thought, and activity captive to the broader drama of redemption. Mm. And he quotes Second Corinthians 10. Yes. Four to five. Which I know verse. is one of your favorites. Yeah, it is. One of my, take every thought captive for Christ. Yes, I love it. So uh, Van Hooser says, doing church means living out in all the activities of everyday life, our identity in Christ. Mm. When disciples act out their being in Christ, the church enacts God's reign and thus becomes an enacted parable or theater of the kingdom of God. <laughs> I love yes, that words of right. enacted parable. Mm -hmm. Like we are taking something so simple. This is another thing that Kevin Van Hooser says, that if you just look at Jesus's parables, they use everyday scenes to communicate something extraordinary. Yes. And so the church enacts everyday scenes that communicate the extraordinary nature of the kingdom of God. Mm. And so this is why we say it's simple in that it's the everyday activities because we don't have to do something flashy. We don't have to spin something. We don't have to create something that's going to be like attention grabbing or whatever mm -hmm. other things. The simple everyday things of life are actually the places in which we can do the enacted parables. Mm, yes. Because those, as Jesus enacted parable or parables, they are something simple that points to something extraordinary. And yes. that's what the church in our living witness does every week, every day. Mm. The, the simple act of the relationships we have within the body of Christ, how we handle conflict, how we speak, how we act, how we treat outsiders, how we interact with the world, how we engage in our culture, mm. all these things, even simple things, are living parables, if you will, or putting something simple on display to point to the extraordinary nature of God's kingdom. Yes. Wow. Yeah, I think of that verse, live circumspectly in the world. So the circumstances live for Jesus in every circumstance, live circumspectly. Also, when you're talking about uh, Jesus' parables are simple for profound truths or extraordinary truths, yeah. I have to also think again about The Incredibles, which I know I've heard of The Incredibles in the past, my favorite Pixar film, but I love how Brad Bird, his vision as a director and writer of that is the mundane meeting the fantastic. Yeah. And one of the great lessons of The Incredibles is that the mundane, marriage of Bob and Helen and their kids, uh, their family with the kids, uh, was more important than the heroic acts. Yeah. And that's a wonderful truth that we can glean from that Pixar film, that it's in the mundane, everyday faithfulness that we are going to be most recognized by the Lord for our good works. It's not the big home runs of public accolades. It is how we, are we faithful in the little things? What Jesus even said in his parables, because you are faithful in a little, take charge of much on the new earth. So wonderful truths there. So mundane uh, actions are not to be trifled with. They actually do symbolize a, a profound, extraordinary uh, rewards, but also profound, extraordinary uh, godliness. Exactly. And, and this is where, uh, understanding it's why I, it's why I love the theatrical metaphor. I do too. And like, I know, I yeah. know this would really resonate with you, mm -hmm. Paul. Uh, the theatrical metaphor is really helpful in some ways here because the local church is really a place where we're, uh, as, as Dr. Van Hooser says, uh, where we are empowered by the spirit of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ, as we are God's children to enact scenes now of the not yet kingdom of oh, God. Yes. In other words, he says, we live between the ages, the current, the, the current evil age and the age to come. And, and this, this, this is his theatrical metaphor. He says, the church's mission is to serve as a, a living preview of the coming attraction, yes, I love which it. is the new heavens and new earth where God yes. will be all in all. We are, we are living out the trailer 
Yes. The the coming attraction is God's redeemed, restored creation that is transformed to be his temple again, where we live with him face to face in a awesome. new heavens and new earth, which is amazing, right? That's the that's the that's the actual film. That's eternity. Yes. We're in right. the we're in the previews. Yeah. We're living out the overture as it the were. Overture, yeah. <laughs> in the musical. I, I know it. I love it. And so you you see how the church's calling and mission as we talk about discipleship. Mm-hmm. This is what disciple by doing is, being that living witness, preview of the coming attraction, living in the already not yet, that Mm -hmm. we're already forgiven of our sin, fully justified. Yes. We are being sanctified to Mm -hmm. be like Christ and to grow in Christ-likeness, and we then become a living witness to put put on display the truth of God as ambassadors of that great exchange. This is where 2 Corinthians 5 that we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ as though God were making his appeal through us. Yes. That and then and then the, the text goes on to say how he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we would become the righteousness of God. That's just like the exchange yes. that happens there, that we're putting that on display for the world. And so that's what we mean by disciple by doing is that living witness, but that's also our outreach and evangelism. Mm. Because we're we're like we're performing on the stage, if you will showing people what God's design and his way of doing relationships and his mm. values, his uh, lordship, we're displaying what that looks like. So we don't just talk about it. Yes. We do it. Mm-hmm. And we stumble around through it, but we live in God's grace day by day. Yes. And so that even testifies to his glory because it's not about our strength. Yes. All those things all point to God. Yes, and and uh, to take the theater analogy further, we're always on stage. When you've talked about people are looking at us, I've always trained my student leaders at Jugheads that you need to behave with uh, integrity even when you're not a, a student leader with a title, whether it's a Christmas party or at Perkins or at uh, a, a club you're visiting, and that goes for Christians too. We can't turn off our identity in Christ yep. because we are at home even sleeping or even just by ourselves, let alone with our family who often gets the brunt of our volatility. We need to be on all the time. Now, yeah. again, uh, if that seems like a burden, remember <laughs> Matthew 11, that all to all who are weary come to Jesus, he'll give you rest. Because yes. if we're weary and heavy laden, because it is a lot to be uh, in the world and not of the world, we need to trust in the Lord that our, our light will shine so that others will give glory to our Father in heaven because of who we are, because we are in Christ. Yep, yep, you're right. Yeah, and 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 to get practical here, because there are so many, as you just mentioned, there are so many places, there's so many environments or contexts within which this uh, impacts. It's every sphere. Everything, every That's sphere. why we talk about whole life discipleship. Yes. And wholehearted discipleship. It's a, it's a full devotion to God in every sphere mm-hmm. of our lives. But uh, now when we talk about the church, because this is that you know that applies to every part of who we are individuals as individuals within God's family but if we talk about strategy of what is the church supposed to do together collectively yes placemaking is uh one of the ways to think about that as a discipleship strategy uh is to say that we are we are to 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 stage parables of the kingdom of God this is Kevin Van Hooser's language. Mm-hmm. He says that the mission of the church, or one of the ways that we do discipleship, is staging parables of the kingdom mm-hmm. to be able to put the accent on God's on the prophetic witness of the church. Yes, to use that as a tool of sanctification, to create contexts and environments within which 
we're um, deliberately creating a place yes. for the sharpening that's needed in our lives to to uh, do the fundamental transformation in our hearts, but also like you know sand off the rough edges and and cause us to go through difficult things so that we grow. Yes. The, the church is one of the one of the the main aspects of what we do is creating spaces, creating places deliberately where we will be challenged and we will grow. Yes. Uh, while you were speaking, I, another verse popped into my mind. And by the way, if if you listeners think that I'm all over the map, uh, my boys' Bible study for 15 years would call them Paul's tangents. I tend to hear something and I connect another <laughs> verse. So forgive me, I am not as prepared as Brent by a long shot, but John 14, 2 and 3, in my father's house, remember that uh, yeah. 2 Corinthians 5, 1, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have, uh, would I have, sorry, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. But there's that operative word again, place in John 14, two and three. And so that's a wonderful, wonderful, excuse me, the other wonderful thing about Christianity, it's, it's a real place uh, not a religion. I, I, it is a religion, sure, but it's it's a relationship. It is a tangible thing. It's and when we yeah. have these little practices, yep. as Kevin Van Hooser says, that we are uh, staging parables of the kingdom for the world. And Jesus gave us little examples of the new earth preview through his miracles. There will be no more demons, no more sickness, and even no more death. Uh, The place is uh, really our ultimate hope. And I even said that in episode five about Randy Alcorn's teaching in heaven that Satan, the enemy of our souls, hates three things more than anything else. He hates God's name, God's dwelling place, and God's people. So when we make Mm. little places on this earth redeemed for God's kingdom, that is directly against Satan because he hates God's people, God's place, God's name. So placemaking is an extremely important issue that we do as believers to be ambassadors for Christ on this old earth. Yeah, it's like uh, staking out some territory for the kingdom of God, like making an an embassy. (laughs) Making an embassy (laughs) for the ambassadors. And we we invite guests in and hopefully they'll they'll, uh, agree to be ambassadors uh, too. They receive the king. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, another, so another, I guess, invitation for you listening, uh, for those of you who are a part of our church or who are here in our community, when we talk about placemaking, when we talk about uh, staging or enacting the parables of the kingdom, like doing things specifically as a church that create those contexts within which we grow. We are experimenting with some of those and we're calling them pilot projects. Yes. Pilot projects of our disciple by doing philosophy of, of ministry. And by disciple by doing, as we've said before, we mean seeing the everyday activities. Uh, I think of Deuteronomy chapter six again. Mm-hmm. Of when you when you lie down and when you get up, when you walk along the road, when 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 you're at home, you know all the different contexts within which you're living that you're talking about God's truth and that His truth through the gospel of Jesus Christ is impressed upon your heart. Mm-hmm. That we are going to take some pilot projects over the course of the next five to five months or so or six months through the summer and into the fall, where we are going to provide opportunities to enact some parables of the kingdom. Yes. <laughs> and it's not necessarily, you know, the parables as in the ones exactly in the in the gospels. We're looking at opportunities to take things that people are passionate, skilled in, uh, things that are impacting our particular physical space here at the building on the back part of the property, uh, things like a cooking class. Yes. And say, how does this point to the truths of God and the truth of the gospel? 
you could take, uh, you know, an activity outside as we're redeveloping the back part of the property to make it, you know, Minnesota uh, landscaping. Uh, these are opportunities for us to be able to see God's good design in his physical creation that he made that reflects his ordered, beautiful, and good, like reality and glory of who he is. Yes. And so uh, as you see pilot projects coming forward through our kids' ministry, through youth ministry, through adult discipleship, take advantage of those opportunities to try this out and go and show up and do a pilot project or two and get a taste of what it means to get going with getting our hands dirty in discipleship. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just having concepts of doctrine or the truths of, of the gospel in our merely in our brain, but having those go maybe the, the, the longest 18 inches down to your heart. Yes, that's right. <laughs> right? To be able to have a context relationally, doing an activity with people that takes... And, and gives an opportunity for God through his spirit to do the deeper transformation in you. Yes. Let's go do it together. From conceptual to concrete. Yeah. How do we do activities that through that we become Christ-like? And, and, and you'll be surprised, church, as we roll out some of these programs and we, we invite you to give us more ideas for pilot programs, you'll be surprised how a simple activity can be so transforming, back to the operative word for transformational outcomes, and we are excited to go on the journey with you here in the summer of 2023 and beyond. With that, our two-part series on place versus non-place will wrap up episode 14 of Roots and Branches. Check out that This Place by Simon Paul Arneberg and Kevin Van Hooser, the theologian that Brent referred to. Thanks a lot for listening. We look forward to episode 15 coming soon in New Life Evangelical Free Church.